Welcome to Everything Co-op, bringing you information on how cooperatives can help improve your quality of life. This show is being sponsored by the National Co-op Bank, NCB. The NCB is dedicated to strengthening communities nationwide for the delivery of banking and financial services for the nation's cooperatives, their members, and other socially responsible organizations. For more information on the power of community ownership, visit ncb.coop. That's ncb.coop. Now stay tuned for your host, Vernon Oaks. Everything Cooperative. Uh, welcome this morning. We are in Alexandria, Virginia at NCB Clusa's Cooperative Impact Conference. The uh, theme this year is Power in Purpose, Building the Next Economy. And they also are working with building the next generation of leaders. They have a program called the Cooperative Leaders and Scholars Institute, and they brought in about 25 emerging leaders. And around the table this morning in Alexander, I have the privilege and pleasure of talking to four of them. We're going to talk to each one, one at a time, through each segment. And to start off, from St. Lucia, we have Thalassa Cox. Good morning. Good morning. Well, welcome. Welcome to the U.S. from St. Lucia. How do you say that? St. Lucia. St. Lucia. One word. Okay, one syllable. Okay. All together, one word, rather, several syllables. So what do you do, Thalassa, in cooperative world? Currently, I am on the board of directors for Cooperative Credit Union back in St. Lucia. Specifically, it is the St. Lucia Civil Service Cooperative Credit Union. So it's a credit union? Yes, it is. And you're on the board? Yes, I am. So you're the oldest person on the board? <laughs> I'm the youngest person All on the right. board. Well, welcome to the Capital Impact and to the U.S. So what do you do as a director on the credit union in St. Lucia? As the name suggests, we direct the affairs of the credit union. Specifically, we determine what plan we're going to go ahead with for the year what services and products we want to offer. And these ideas may actually come from our managers who are able to interact with our members to determine what their needs are. From this standpoint, we can create the necessary policies for credit, savings plans, as well as possibly insurance opportunities that we can bring on board through CUNA Mutual as well. Additionally, we can also do policy waivers Making exceptions. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. sorry. I want to go back a minute. You set the the amount of interest and what kind of loans? You yes, are. we can. We can. For example, if our credit manager, loans manager, if you prefer, if she suggests that a particular service should be provided, loans product specific to young persons, entrepreneurs, and she says that given the environment and the need for funding of small businesses through young persons, we should offer an interest rate of, let's just say, 5% APR. Mm -hmm. As a board, we can look at the statistics she provides. We can also do our independent research and approve such a product to be introduced to our members as directors. So, so the credit union is made up of members. Yes. And the members own the financial institution. Yes. Okay. And you 
were elected on the board? Yes. So you ran. You put your name in the hat. Say, I want to be on the board. Yes. So in the board, you get to set product and and how much interest and all of these things. Yes, we're able to approve such. And, of course, it is in our members' interest. We, this is our first priority. Whatever product or service is being suggested or put on the table for discussion, it must be in their interest, and we can approve if it goes forward or not. Okay, so you are a bank, a financial institution. Financial institution. Not bank. <laughs> well, you do some of the same things as a bank. I sort we of do. use that so the, the people out there understand that a credit union does the same functions of a bank. You yes. Take in people that deposit, and then they, you can give out loans. But in the credit union, you, as a member, get a chance to run for the board. Yes. And you did that. Yes. So I take my head off to you. Thank you. Because not a lot of people will step up. And for a young person to step up, that is really great. Uh, what have you been learning as a director of the board? Several things. From initially understanding the perspective of the demographic of our members and their needs, and how it's changed over the years, and also how the market is responding to those needs. Where the market cannot address certain needs, this is where I get an opportunity as a director to be creative and innovative and figure out how can we as a cooperative help our members. As a director, I'm also learning how we can implement strategies to show our members what's the best way forward for the community and also for themselves because we represent several professionals and we want them to grow as professionals. We want them to grow within the civil service, but also within the community. As a director, we get to agitate some change, force persons to recognize and address certain issues. And that's a fun aspect to the work as well. So you talk, you have fun agitating people. <laughs> or agitating For good. Okay. Fantastic. I, I, I really take my hat off that you put your name in the box to run and that you're learning and that you can, from what I'm hearing you say, you can put in policies and products that helps the community. Yes. Okay. So what do your parents think about you being on the board? I suppose they like it. They're definitely not against it. Um, my mother in particular, she's been a longstanding member of the credit union before. She volunteered with the Education Committee and with the Credit Committee as well. So she put herself up for election for the Credit Committee. Watching my mother participate with the Credit Union as well, I developed that passion. They are definitely happy that I'm taking ownership over the institution that has been supporting me financially, my financial growth. And they feel secure that where they are saving their money, where they are growing their investments through shares is within the hands of a board that is progressive and is trying to ensure that we stay above market trend, that we are caring for our members and allowing them to grow in ways that other financial institutions may not. Well, that's what I like about co-ops. And Credit News is a consumer co-op. It's only controlled by the members, so the consumers own it. And as a owner, you and your mom have the right and the responsibility to be in leadership roles to help direct it. So that's wonderful. I'm, I'm, I also take my head off to your mom then. You, you have a great role model. I do. To follow. 
Where do you see the credit union going in St. Lucia? I would like to see the credit union movement as a whole grow in St. Lucia to further empower persons on financial ownership in terms of branching out beyond just thinking of their shares as an avenue to earn interest and increase their savings, but also as an opportunity to understand investing in any enterprise and having that sense of ownership because hopefully then it can span out into other aspects of their lives. Because even if you're an average Joe or you consider yourself to be an average Joe, whatever you invest in, even if it's via shares or investing in your time, there should be a return on to you, whether it is quantitative or qualitative. And if we can develop that, I think that sense of self and awareness, that's good for society, especially when we're considered third world, small island developing state persons, if they can have that sense of self and sense of worth, they are able to grow anything they put their hands to. And I think if we are growing in that direction, we can also help people to step out and be larger actors within the economy and market and grow from being second stage or third stage participants in the market to actually being the originators entrepreneurs who are creating the business world on island and branching out. Wow. So you're going to run for, what do you have, a, a governor or king or queen or what we do you have? have who, who runs? Prime Minister and a Governor General. Quite frankly, I'm, I'm comfortable where I am. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Well, 20 years from now, you can be the Prime Minister. I got it. I really like your focus Based on that focus of where you see the credit union being for the average Joe to get them to move up and have investments and create wealth, what are some of the kinds of things you've been learning at this conference, this capital impact? I definitely like the introduction or rather the emphasis of the cooperative model being introduced as the new or rather the alternative business model. It has always existed. However, I like that they're pushing persons to consider how can we get the wider society to appreciate that there is an alternative model tackling so social issues or also growing your business or starting a business. And I think that if we could bring that perspective back to the island as well, persons can think, I don't have to do this on my own to penetrate the market. Via cooperative, we can band together and there's strength in numbers and we can approach the market together and actually penetrate an area that has not been tackled before. Talatha, I would like to, if you haven't heard, all four of you, uh, Dr. Jessica Gordon-Nimhard has written a book called Collective Courage. And it's a great book talking about the African-American experience with co-ops and it's a huge history but it also talks about, she talks about that a business is cooperative business that gets started. It's like after five years, 90% of cooperative businesses are still in existence, where with the capitalistic businesses and normal businesses, only about 10% still in business after five years. So it's a huge success. But that goes to the fifth principle of uh, education, training, and information. And, and it, a lot of times it takes longer to start a cooperative business but there's this training that goes on, so it's a higher success rate. It's great talking to you. It's wonderful talking to you. Any other thoughts that you may have before we go to break? 
It definitely was a pleasure speaking with you as well. Um, I think what you're doing at this radio station is very interesting and it's good work. Educating persons who may not know about cooperatives and also giving cooperative leaders a voice. Thank you for that opportunity. Well, maybe you could start a program in St. Lucia on a radio program. You have a great voice and you, you have this sense of where you want to be and where you want the credit union to be and you see how it is. I started this six years ago. This October is our six-year anniversary of being on a show, and we were only going to do it for one month, but it's taken off because there's this huge sense of this knowledge, this information needs to be for this exact reason that you talked about. So maybe you can start one. Something to consider. Thanks. Any other thoughts you might have? So I'm going to go over to Gilbert until we go into break. So Gilbert is from Uganda, and Gilbert, what, what do you do in Uganda? Oh, thank you very much. My name is Gilbert Engulu uh, from Uganda, and uh, I am the regional coordinator for youth empowerment through agriculture, uh, a program that uh, NCBA CLUSA is implementing. We're going to come right back after break. All right? So we'll be right back. why National Cooperative Bank sponsored this program. We try to give you information about cooperatives such that you can go out and start your own or you can go find one and buy product for them. And right now the information we're going to talk to Gibbet Ngulu from Uganda. And you were telling us uh, before break, Gilbert, what are you doing in Uganda? What do you do? Thank you very much. My name is Gilbert Ngulu from uh, Uganda, and I work with uh, a program called Youth Empowerment Through Agriculture in the northern part of Uganda. We build the capacity of youth between 15 to 24 years to ensure that they establish sustainable commercial businesses. And uh, currently, most of those uh, youth groups have formed cooperatives. They are actually agricultural cooperatives. Okay. So how many youth groups are you talking about? I'm talking about uh, 17. Okay. And how many, how many uh, students or youth are in each of the groups approximately? Say that again? How many students are in each group? There are about uh, 60. 60? Yes. So you've got 60 students in each group and you've got 17 groups. That's about, oh, 1,000? No, no. There are 813 groups. Every group has 30 students. Okay. And so that's over 27,000. Wow, okay. That's what I was trying to get to. Yeah, 27,000. Youth. Youth. That I work with. Okay, yes. between 15 and 24 years old. And most of those groups have started a co-op. Yes. Okay. So you help them to start the co-op? Is that what you do? Okay. Uh, in, in the original plan, we, 
we didn't intend to start a co-op, but uh, this came out of their need to market their products, to get more extension services, to get better prices for their products, and to get credit. So within themselves, they organized and formed the cooperatives that we are now picking up to support them develop. Okay. So they decided, based on their needs, they yeah. would go into a cooperative model. Yes. Fantastic. So, like, how did you get the job? What caused you to want to do this? Say that again? What caused you to want to do this work? So there is a need that has come up. And uh, as uh, NCB Oclusa, we are cooperative-oriented. And uh, we have taken them up, trained them, linked them to the government, because in Uganda there is a, a department that is in charge of cooperatives. Every cooperative has to be registered. And so we don't have the mandate to do that, but the best we do is to link them to the government and have them registered. And then we continue building their capacity on governance, marketing, and generally providing extension services. So what kind of products do they, do they grow? This is agriculture. Yeah, they mostly grow maize, uh, soybean, and beans. And those are the most common crops in the northern part of Uganda that the cops are interested in. What's maize? Maize is a grain. <laughs> I don't know that it's common in America here, but it's a common crop in the eastern Uganda. Okay, no, it's not common here. That's why I was asking. Soybeans and beans are. And I've heard of maize, but I just want to make sure everybody out there. So you're growing these products. These The young people are growing the products. Yes, okay. the, the youth grow these products in so many acres. And then uh, Uganda is gifted. We have uh, two seasons of rain. And so every season they grow either maize, beans, or soybeans. And then when they harvest, they get to bulk them and then uh, source for a better price or a better market for, for that product. And in totality, that's what we help them to do. Make sure that they bulk their products in a store and then identify better market for them so that each youth or each member of a cooperative is able to benefit from a higher price compared to the normal pricing of other products. So what type of co-op is it? And here's what I mean. So the the agriculture here in the U.S., they'll have a purchasing co-op where they come together, the different groups come together, and they buy their seed or grain or fertilizer together to get a better price for their the products that they need. Or it could be a marketing co-op, or they call producer co-op, where they come together to sell and market so they can get their products to markets that they couldn't do individually, and they can get to different markets and get a higher price. It is a producer co-op. Okay. Uh, so here is how it works. Uh, the members come together, contribute money, buy seed, buy fertilizer, buy whatever input they need for production, and then they produce, and then when the product is ready for harvest, they are able to bulk it and sell. Fantastic. So what are the results of the co-op for the individual members and their families and the community? 
So I should say that uh, there at the beginning phase, I mean yesterday, but one we we're learning about phases of cooperative formation, and uh, they should be at uh, phase one. And uh, I can confirm that they have so far bulked for one season, and uh, the results are good because the members are beginning to realize more money compared to what they received in the previous seasons. Okay, so they will end up with more money. And with more money, well, I, I don't know in Uganda, but where I grew up in West Virginia, we used to say we had more month than money. Okay. Yeah. And I've heard sometimes that on this program that the, the farmers would have money throughout the year. Okay. Yeah. And so is that the, what you kind of expect by being in a cooperative? Absolutely. Because uh, this production is planned the youth are not able to waste money. They are sure that they have to plan for their money. Season one, when it ends, you need to make sure that you have reserves to grow for season two. And uh, being in a co-op has made them a little bit more focused. There are tendencies that have reduced. Previously, they would receive money and go into gambling and smoking and betting and so many things. But right now, because they're in the COP, they are very focused because they set targets. If you're supposed to bring a certain volume to the cooperative to be sold, it means that you have to work hard to attain that target. Yeah. And, and, and your peers, the other people in the group, will know what you're doing or not doing. So they're motivated to go ahead and do what they say they're going to do. Absolutely. So what have you been getting from this? From this conference, yes. Okay, so I, I came to this conference with a very broad mind to learn. I train cooperatives. And uh, so we, we are starting cooperatives. Then in the initial stages, there is a lot to, to, to be told or to learn from them. And uh, in all this, we agree that uh, cooperatives contribute to the economy of a country. So the biggest challenge that we've had previously is the, the sustainability of cooperatives. Some of them start, and they cannot go the whole way. Mm -hmm. So in this conference, there's a lot of knowledge I'm picking on how to ensure that cooperatives are sustainable, and I think that is something I'm going to walk away with. Oh, fantastic. I know, because I had on the program some time ago, that there was a bus accident in Uganda, and half of your staff didn't make it. And I understand you were on that bus? Yes, I was. Did the co-op in any kind of way help you? And we've got to go to break, but we'll be right back. everybody. The program is Everything Cooperative. Uh, we're at the uh, Capital Impact, the NCBA's Cooperative Impact Conference in Alexandria, Virginia. The theme is Power and Purpose, 
building the next economy. And right along with that, NCB has started a program called Cooperative Leaders and Scholars Institute. It's kind of like building the next generation of leaders. And we've already talked to two. I'm going to finish up talking to Gilbert Ungulu, who is from Uganda in, in the agriculture sector. And they, they're doing producer co-ops. And so right before break, uh, Gilbert, I was talking to you about the terrible bus crash where you all lost half of your staff members. And I just wanted to know, I, I have a sense, I, because I've never gone through anything like that, I don't understand it, but I have a sense that it was horrible. But by being a member of a cooperative organization, NCBAA, was that helpful in any kind of way? All right. What what happened on the 18th of December is something that I dread. It shouldn't have happened, but we had no control over it. I lost 18 of my colleagues in that accident. You said 18? Yes, and it was really a very difficult time for us. For us that made it in that accident, spent some months in hospital. And I must say that uh, NCBA Clues has been very helpful or has helped us during the recovery process, both as a program and staff. They were able to reach out to the ground, came and comforted us, and gave us all the support we needed to recover to our full strength. Um, as I speak right now, a few of my colleagues are still out of duty because they got injuries that will take some time to, to heal. But over and above, I thank God that we are alive and we are working. And for all the support that NCB Oklusa and all people gave us during that tough time. Thank you, sir. And I, I sense and I feel from your eyes how it still hurts. I give a shout out to Cooperative Development Fund who helped to raise money for that project. And for everybody they gave, I, I want to thank them for you. Thank, you. thank you, sir, for being here and for sharing your story. And now we're going to switch over to Brownwin Walls. My pleasure. So, Bronwyn. Yes. Okay. So what do you do in this cooperative world? So I work for NASCO, the North American Students of Cooperation. We are an association in the U.S. and Canada of housing cooperatives, and we focus specifically on student co-ops or campus cooperatives, but our membership is a little bit broader than that as well. So where do you work out of? I work out of my home office in New Orleans, Louisiana. Uh, our offices are based in Chicago, Illinois, and um, our staff travels all over the country and up to Canada a bit to be in contact with our members and offer workshops and trainings and things like that. So you decided to stay in New Orleans as opposed to go to Chicago? It's yes, yes, I did. I don't know, that cold weather in Chicago, I thought you'd want to go up there. <laughs> <laughs> I love my home. Okay. I love New Orleans, too. Mm -hmm. So what does NASCO, no, particularly, what, what do you do in NASCO? So my title is Director of Community Engagement, which covers a broad range of things. I think 
as an overview, probably I would say communications, fundraising, and outreach are kind of my three main areas that I focus on. Communications, fundraising, and outreach. Mm-hmm. All right. So tell me a little bit more about NASCA in terms of how many student co-ops, housing co-ops are there or Mm -hmm. where are they? Yeah. So we have around 45 members, like I said, in the U.S. and in Canada. And as far as individuals go, it's probably somewhere near 5,000 individuals. So that's 45 members. Mm -hmm. And are you saying 5,000 Students that belong to those co-ops? Yes, that are members of our members, <laughs> if that makes okay. sense. So what's an example of a university or college that has a student cooperative? That's uh, a well, I'll bring up a couple of the housing co-ops in Austin, Texas, because we're about to go back to Austin uh, this November for our annual Cooperative Education and Training Institute. And also, I lived in housing cooperatives in Austin when I was a student, so... I guess I'll bring up College Houses, which is an organization that owns maybe six or seven houses in Austin, Texas, and they house loads of college students in the West Campus area around the University of Texas where rent rates are just, you know, out of the roof. All right. So College Housing owns about six houses, and then the students become members of each of those houses. Yeah, so they're they're technically student-owned houses. Okay. So the students end up running for the board, make policies, and say how things are going to operate. Exactly, yeah. Each house has their own board of directors, um, and then College Houses has a board of directors as well. And usually the houses have some sort of officer positions or kind of, since, since the board of directors is usually a volunteer position, the houses will typically offer some sort of kind of maybe a rent rebate or incentive in that way so that students who want to invest more time in the cooperative can uh, make that space in their lives to give back. So I know the second principle is democratic control. So is it democratic or do you have to have a census management where everybody has to agree? It varies from house to house, co-op to co-op. But I, I think typically there's there's a, a meeting schedule. And whoever shows up to the meeting gets a vote. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. How was it for you living into a housing co-op in, in Austin? It was great. I definitely wasn't aware of the cooperative model before that. So it introduced me to co-ops and brought me to where I am today. I also think it's such a special time in your life when you're really starting to learn about the broader world. You're starting to question a little bit societal structures, and it's a great time to be introduced to the cooperative model and the cooperative world because you start to understand basically this alternative for how we can approach infrastructure and how we can approach the economy, how we can approach business. You know, it's in every sector. So it's a really good time to be introduced to cooperatives. And at the same time, it's just a personally very empowering experience to have control over your housing when you're, you know, living on your own for the first time and um, trying to be an adult for the first time, I guess. <laughs> so to be able to have some control over your housing situation is super vital at that time, I think. Do you think it helped you to mature faster? Yeah, I think so. It's definitely one of those things where when you go into a typical college house, you you might see some negligence 
in the home, I think, because people are still learning how to be on their own and how to sustain a home. And when you're held accountable by a whole other group of people, it helps a lot because you start to understand that something as simple as if I don't put up my dish, I'm disrespecting my house members, okay. <laughs> you know, the other members of the cooperative. And we all have to work together if we want to have a great home. So it turns out that peer pressure is one of the best motivators. So if you, your peers are looking at you to say you need to pick up your dish, that's much better motivator than a parent saying that or a teacher. Uh, or they, we used to have house moms that yeah. would, would come around and be a control over the house. So let me ask you this. What have you gotten from this Capital Impact Conference that you can take back? I think it's really great to be around so many different types of cooperatives. I think when you're working in kind of one specific sector like housing, you can get really insular or you can start to kind of you just start to go into this kind of rabbit hole of your niche and you kind of forget that there's a whole, you know, cooperative world out there. And there's so many lessons to be learned from every different sector. So I think it's just in general, really nice to be uh, around credit unions and worker co-ops and um, producer co-ops and all different types of co-ops and realize that some of the challenges that we're facing, even if they don't directly translate, we can definitely seek help in other areas too. Any particular lessons to take? I really liked, this maybe isn't quite a lesson, but I think it's a good perspective. Um, there was a session yesterday called Building a Local Co-op Ecosystem, a National Perspective, and it was a panel of about four different individuals. And I really liked that framing of a cooperative as an ecosystem. And they gave this definition of an ecosystem as a web of living things in a given place. So it's place-based. And then an ecosystem is also diverse and sustaining. It has to have those qualities. And I think it's, it's great to think about our member co-ops themselves as many ecosystems uh, operating in the larger ecosystems of their neighborhoods their communities operating within this other larger ecosystem of us, this national housing cooperative group operating within the ecosystem of the co-op world, the ecosystem of the global cooperative movement. You know, it's, it's all of these kind of ecosystems embedded in other ecosystems and how, you know, if we really build power at the, at the root, we can start to grow this global movement. It's inspiring. So the global movement has started. And then how do we expand it? How do you as a young person, as a, an emerging leader, how do you take over and really make this ecosystem broader in your co communities of Austin or New Orleans or Chicago or in Uganda or anywhere in the world? How do you do that? How do you grow the movement? Mm -hmm. That's a big question. I think, as I was saying, the perspective of kind of recognizing the smaller ecosystems within the bigger ecosystems is key because... I think we have to start at the local level. So if we're, if as an association, NASCO, my organization is able to support growth in, you know, a small six person housing co-op in a rural area, uh, you know, outside of a bigger city, then the effect just continues to grow. It just continues to grow. And I think one of this, like I said, one of the special things that we do is introducing young people to cooperatives and, even just teaching young people what a cooperative is in the first place is amazing because they might go they might go on to leave their university and enter a totally different field but now they have an understanding of the cooperative model and they can 
introduce that model to others and infuse it into whatever work they end up doing. And a lot of our members, uh, members of our member co-ops go on to do nonprofit or social work as well. So, so Brown, when uh, you're one of those young people, <laughs> at least from my view. Right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so you can take this on and take it to uh, different ecosystems. And I look for you being one of these emerging leaders so that uh, on these panels, when I come back in five years or so, you'll be on these panels leading them. We'll I be hope right. So. We'll be right back, everybody. Don't touch the dial. Thank you. Fourteen fifty WOL. Welcome back, everybody. This is Vernon Oaks. The program is Everything Cooperative. We are in Alexander, Virginia at NCBA's Clusus Cooperative Impact Conference, where the focus is power and purpose, building the next economy. And within that, there are also building next generation of leaders. And Jeanette Cuevas is the next person we're going to talk to. Good morning, Jeanette. Good morning. So tell me, Jeanette, what is it that you do? Um, thanks so much for having me here. My role at the Philadelphia Area Cooperative Alliance is as a cooperative business developer. Uh, I started last June as a cooperative development fellow and am now on staff officially. And you have to create co-ops? Yeah, so I mostly jumped into projects that had already been started, but I've just now recently started working more with folks who are in the exploratory phase, linking up entrepreneurs with other folks who are interested in starting worker co-ops. So where do you live? Hmm. Um, so I live in West Philadelphia, um, but we work all over the region. So we're Philadelphia-based, but we have members. We're a co-op of co-ops all over the region. Co-ops at co-ops. Yes. So can you give us an example of one of the co-ops you're working with? Yeah, definitely. So right now, one of our really exciting partners, projects that we're working with, is called Making Worlds Bookstore. They are opening this month, October, which is co-op month, Which so that's really exciting. And they're right now really working on getting ready to open. They are working on their governance process while simultaneously building out their cafe menu, building out their programming, um, setting, like laying the groundwork to equitable member opportunities. And so we're really excited about working with them. Okay. So that's a bookstore. Yes. And it's a worker co-op. Yes. So the employees owns the bookstore. Yes. Okay. Do you have another example? Yeah, so that's the bookstore. I also primarily work with Latinx um, immigrant-led cooperatives. So another organization I work with is the Philadelphia Workers Association, Handyman LLC. Uh, they're a group of folks who are doing renovation and construction. And it's been such a pleasure and honor to work with them. Yeah, no, they come from different countries with different cooperative legacies in South America and Mexico. Um, so coming together, they've brought a lot of their own cooperative knowledge 
And it's been nice to have that global inclusive perspective uh, to grow my cooperative skills. And um, they just bring so much to the table and are able to kind of find a metaphor about construction or renovation in all of our co-op development conversations. So really expanding my mind on how we talk about cooperative development, cooperative training, how we do storytelling, how we make it culturally appropriate. So that they're a great group. So it sounds like you're learning a lot. Yes, definitely. So you're in Philadelphia. Yes. But you're from Georgia? Yes, yeah. So I am from Gainesville, Georgia, uh, foothills of the Blue Ridge Mountain. It's a really, where I grew up, a lot of like Mexican immigrants yeah, and I just really love that community. But I also chose to live in Philadelphia because of the um, rich cooperative history that's there. Um, our ecosystem is really strong and rooted in the longer history of African-American cooperative practices. Yeah. So there's a lot of reasons to love Philly and to be there. Okay. So you are working with a bookstore, a handyman, mm -hmm. worker cooperative. What is it that you do to help this process? So there's a few things that I feel really excited about doing with the groups. I love talking about democratic process and like the decision-making processes in general. Um, the folks I trust to be skilled in their industries to bring forward that knowledge. But I think a similar theme that I've heard throughout this week is just supporting folks working together, working through issues, looking at conflict as sort of food for process instead of something that stops it. So I really enjoy working on some of those issues that otherwise might be a little bit uncomfortable to talk about because of so many reasons, talking about money, talking about decision-making, having an analysis of power, having um, anti-oppression-based analysis of how we talk about that. Um, so that's the work I really enjoy doing. And I'm sort of learning to love spreadsheets. It seems that like co-operators <laughs> love spreadsheets and pro formas. And like a lot of the folks who are teaching me that are teaching me in a way that is accessible to me and in a way that I can teach others. So that feels pretty good. So what was your training? What did you go to school for? Um, so I started in the co-op world officially as a fellow um, because the Philadelphia Area Cooperative Alliance was intentionally looking for folks who might not have a lot of co-op skills yet, but were like young folks of color, black women, brown women who could work with the communities that are like core target communities in Philadelphia. Um, so I really didn't know that much in the beginning. I had worked in small businesses. I'd worked in startups. So I brought a lot of my like operations, processes, knowledge to this work. So I'm able to bring in all that. I've done operations for five years before I started in co-op development. So it's definitely a different perspective since I'm uh, building systems with others for them to hold. But I've, I've definitely been learning a lot through the fellowship program. My executive director, Jamila Medley, person who really led me, Peter Frank, they have just like 
given me so many tools and resources, a deep amount of mentorship and time to reflect and analyze and learn. And they really have just been great mentors throughout the process. Well, Jeanette, I've taught 12 years in my career, and I really like hearing you talk. You just brighten up when you're talking about this, just smiling and glowing. Particularly, you said something like conflict is food for process. What is that? That's neat. Hmm, I'm not exactly sure how to say it, but conflict has to be this thing that we can digest, that we can work through. Like that is the core piece of our relationship work. Like we dig into this so that we can have the difficult conversations and so that we can like do it in a way that's healthy and also healing. So when I think about food, I think about nourishment. I think about the things that we need to put in our bodies to have energy, to work, to live, to do whatever. So I think that we should see conflict the same way as like it doesn't have to be trash that we throw away. It's food or it's compost and we can use it. It's all usable. That is a great way of looking at conflict because that's not the way I feel yeah. <laughs> in the past. I like that a lot. So... What have you been learning here in this uh, conference that you can take back with you? So one thing that we learned on Tuesday when we had a crash course from St. Mary's University and the Cooperative Management Education Center there. Um, so like the first thing was this one person who's a lawyer, who's a cooperator in Canada, who sort of talked us through how people used to think that the earth was the center of the universe and drew a parallel to how a lot of folks see profit as the center of the universe and how over 2,000 years, folks shifted from no longer thinking the earth was the center of it and understanding that the sun was what gave us energy and power. And so in thinking about ways that we can reframe where our energy, where our power come from, what sustains us, and moving away from profit being that thing that is our end goal. So I said in that class also, and so what he went from, from profit to being the center of business to where people are, and mm -hmm. humanity is the center of business. And this is what co-ops are about, mm -hmm. that where members are the focus, members are the reason for being. Not profit is the reason for it being. So mm -hmm. he got a lot out of that, mm -hmm. out of that segment too, particularly his drawings. And so, what else? What else have you gotten in the last couple of days? So that was a really exciting way to start it. Um, and then throughout that day, really hearing a lot of different theories that we can bring into our work, and then leading into the practical in the actual conference portion from yesterday. So how people who are presidents of credit unions, presidents or people who have a lot of decision-making power in their communities, in their roles and use it in a good governance way to create real programs that can impact people's lives. It's been really nice to have sort of the grounding in an economic theory paired with sort of the, the vehicle, the engine that I think cooperatives are that move us forward in towards like um, a more just and fair like world starting locally, but thinking globally. Okay. Thank you very much. And I want to thank everybody out there for listening. We will be back next Thursday. Please live cooperatively. Thank you.
1450 WOL.